listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. We have another uh, special guest, uh, one of our former guests who uh, was on almost a year ago from the Midwest Clinic in Chicago, um, back in the good old days of... (laughs) And uh, I have Mr. David Metrio here with us. Welcome, David. Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, you are teaching in the same school district that Sean Morton teaches in. Um, yes. School. And so, um, and you guys have been hybrid for, I think she said about six weeks. Yeah, we've been hybrid. I think the kids first day back. Um, well, our first day back. Yeah. The 12th, August 12th was our first day back. Um, but I, we weren't hybrid then we were, we were back to 12th and then we were officially hybrid the 26th. So we've okay. been hybrid since August 26th. Okay, so it's been it's been a little while, um, and um, I think we had talked a little bit before you went hybrid, and um, so you can you just tell us uh, like how it's going for you? Um, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I'm teaching on the way our county did it was we all came back on the 12th, and we did two weeks of um, just digital teaching, just straight digital teaching, and it was great. Um, and then obviously two weeks later, they they started introducing a grade level at a time. Um, not mandatory back though. Any kid who wanted to stay home could still stay home, but those who wanted to could come back. So then of course it's difficult to balance. Like, um, I saw this great analogy. Um, I'll take like, just like 60 seconds to explain this analogy, but I thought it was the most brilliant thing. I saw this analogy on Facebook actually about what, what hybrid teaching is like. And it's like hosting two dinner parties simultaneously, but one of them is a backyard barbecue. And the other one is like a seated fine China dinner party. And you have to plan the menus for both host them at the same time every once in a while one of the barbecue guests decide that they actually want a seat at the table so then you have to find a whole new set of china for them and re like you didn't account for that then you've hosted this whole dinner party and then at the end of the day before the next day you have to do it all over again so you have to go through your ingredients for both you have to find time to go to the store find time to do i mean it's like it's like chaos it's madness and so um, I was very nervous about it when it started and I've, and I've been nervous about it. I'm still a little nervous about it. So tomorrow's Monday and I'm a little bit scared of still every time I go in, but I'll tell you, I got some great validation this week and I'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, so, so yeah, so we teach on 90 minutes and then for three weeks in a row, they introduced a new grade level. They did ninth graders who wanted to come back on one day. The next week it was 10th graders who wanted to come back. And then the week after, it was all juniors and seniors who wanted to come back. And at that point, we were full-on hybrid. Those who wanted to be in school were in school. Those who didn't, didn't. Now, I teach pretty far North County, um, like up by the lake. And so mm, the vibe in that part of our county and in that part of Georgia is not so very, um, like, like it's, uh, not everybody thinks COVID is that severe. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not as... Um, uh, not everybody's as cautious as maybe in other parts. Um, so we actually have, I believe we have, I believe they've told us that we have the largest percentage of back to school in-person kids out of anywhere in oh. our County. Um, so say that one more time. What would you say your percentage is? So I'd say we have like just under 60% back in person. Wow. Which is a lot. So I think we have 1900 kids at our school and I think we have over a thousand back in person. And then how many in orchestra, what would you say your percentages of your program? It follows. It falls about the same, which is surprising because in most places it's like the school could be one way, but the orchestra kids, it's like they have like eight kids back in a class or whatever. I have, but I have 16%. 
Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I have, I have over 50% for sure. Wow. And so, um, like one of my classes, when, when we were all back, I will say when we started back, I think some kids got overwhelmed and decided to go back to digital, but like the first day back with one of my classes, I had 39 kids in a class and that class was out of 58. So I had a lot of kids back in that class. Wow. Um, so that was a lot. Now that class sits at like 29. So I've lost 10 of them and they've gone back to, but still, I mean, it's still like I have over 50% still. So, um, this makes my task of hybrid teaching a little bit difficult because for example, if I taught, I teach about 180 kids. If I taught 30 of those kids in person, then it would be obvious that I really need to spend the majority of my, like the in-person kids really need to be just like an extension of a digital learner with a couple of added supplemental things for them being in person. So that would make it very clear. Or if I had, if I taught 180 kids and I had only 30 of them digitally, well, I really need to teach, treat this more of a traditional orchestra class and just cater to the ones that are at home a little bit differently in, in certain ways. But I'm like truly 50-50. Like I have to figure out a way to really give the in-person kids an experience that is that is an in-person orchestra experience while giving the digital kids an experience that is an orchestra experience over the computer. Like I have to be able to do both at the same time. I'm on my own. I had a um, part-time assistant at the beginning of the year, but because of COVID and numbers and just, he got displaced. So then that was another thing that was thrown into on my plate that I, uh, anyway, so, yeah. so it's been, it's been tricky. Um, but it's been going well. So I don't know how much you want me to get into. Like, do you have questions for me? Do you want me to just go into what I've been structuring? Yeah. I would love to hear like what has worked well, like the strategies you're using. Are you, what, what is your focus? Are you doing like performance focus? Are you kind of mixing that with like, I had some theory assignments and some listening assignments and things like that. What mm-hmm. are you, what are you doing? Like, and what's working for you? So it changes. It, it changed a lot at the beginning because I didn't really know. Um, but now I think I've got a system and I think I'm going to keep it. And I think I'm going to keep it because of the activity that I did this week. That'll be kind of my culminating closing inspiration for everybody who's listening. Um, but so pretty much, I, like I said, I teach on 90 minute classes. So we've got every other day, 90 minutes. And then on Fridays, we see everybody for 50 minutes. I um, feel very lucky that our county and our school specifically has told us to make Fridays, no new content and kind of asynchronous learning days. So no new content, just kind of turn stuff in, review stuff, um, nothing, uh, to be honest, nothing that I really need to plan for. So what I know that I have to work with is two 90-minute classes a week per class. In that 90-minute class, what I try and do is I, I have a bunch of different things that I try and incorporate for like short amounts of time so that nothing is too brutal. And this takes this takes a lot of planning because I have to have all documents uploaded ahead of time on Google Classroom or eClass or smart music or whatever. Like I can't just like, like back in back in the good old days of like literally, you know, eight months ago, I used to be able to show up and be like, you know, we should sight read this piece today. This would be fun. Like, let's just pull this. Let me pull this. Let me do that. Let me make these copies in the five minutes for class. And we're good. I've got a plan. Like we're good. Well, I can't do that anymore. Like things have to be organized ahead of time because the kids have to have access to all of it. Yeah. So in any given class period, I will do, um, like um, anything like a technique related thing. Like right now I've got my kids on dexterities or like, you know, the band Remington warmups. Like I do these things with orchestra because sometimes when the freshmen come, they have a hard time understanding the difference between a sharp and natural and a flat. So I'll do these like just on open string D E flat D D E D D F D D F sharp. And I'll do all the things. So I have them on some Remington stuff. So I'll do some kind of a mix of that. I'll try and do some kind of a scale for the week or, or for two weeks, depending on the scale. Um, I try and do a portion. This is, 
weekly, I try and do a portion of orchestra literature. So stuff, I'm using smart music, by the way, shout out to whoever's the creator of smart music. I don't know that I could teach digital orchestra without smart music. Yeah. Everybody who's listening, if you've got the money, it's worth every dollar. I would have paid $50 a kid. It is wow. worth every dollar. You using the premium or you have just a mm-hmm. big, I have just the basic one because I'm just assigning the pieces to them like I would in class. Like this is to me just like their digital library. So I'm just assigning pieces. So I've got the basic one for 10 bucks. But I'll tell you what, like, again, if they only had that option, it was $50 a kid. It'd be worth every dollar. Yeah, it's, um, you know, before back in the olden days, as we call it now, um, (laughs) I I wasn't necessarily a fan of smart music. But in this situation, it it really has been a a great tool. And I'm, I'm using it some, too. So. Isn't it awesome? I mean, seriously, like how could we just the fact that the kids can play with a recording and feel like they're playing with a group is awesome. That's just that gives them that little like, I mean, playing an orchestra is awesome. Like the notion, like the feeling. I mean, this is what hooks the kids in. It's like you're surrounded by like a bunch of other like when I was in sixth grade. I remember being surrounded by like a hundred other kids. I had, I was in like classes of like a hundred kids and it was the most fascinating thing to me that we were all playing at the same time. It was like this sound that was amazing. And so these kids, like when you play by yourself, it's not as fun. Like it's just not as fun. You know what I mean? And so, so this has been great. Smart music has been great. So anyway, I try and do some kind of a technique, a scale, a portion of orchestra literature from smart music. I've assigned every kid in every class, a solo piece. I'm either doing Suzuki book solos or solos from smart music or whatever, but they've got a solo piece to work on. Um, I started the year with some fiddle tunes just cause those are great for, you know, some oral skills and, and just finger, like they move quick. Like some of those fiddle tunes are like, like they're not for hacks, like they move. And so they got to move their fingers pretty quick. Um, and then, group listening. So I try and do like, I try and incorporate a little bit of a, um, like, especially for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing Hispanic heritage. You know, I was born in South America. Right. And so it's Hispanic heritage. Month. So I've been doing group listenings where we've done like, um, I try and do like a composer a week or just whatever I want them to get through. Like the Moncaya Huapango, I want them to get through the Arturo Marquez Danzone, the Congo del Novo Fuego Arturo Marquez, the Villa Lobos, um, like the Bacchianos Brasileiras. I want them to get through that. The Piazzola. Um, so there's just like stuff that I want them to get through. So I'm doing these group listenings with them. Um, so I try and incorporate that all in a week. And I know that I have two 90 minute classes to do it. So the way I usually do it is um, I'll start with like a, a technique thing on like, let's say I see a class Tuesday, Thursday. I start with the technique thing. We'll do five, 10 minutes of a dexterity or a Remington. Then we'll move on to like, mm, let's say we're doing like orchestra literature that day. Then we'll do like some time with orchestra literature. And in every class, I give kids time to practice a little on their own. Take five, 10 minutes. Like this week we're working on measures 18 to 32 in this. So practice this, like take five minutes, take 10 minutes. I walk around, I kind of listen, whatever. Then we rehearse it as a group with the kids online. They got their smart music going, my kids in person. And here's the other thing. If you have like wimpy classes, like you have like 11 freshman kids, that's which like, let's be real. I mean, I don't know about where everybody else is, but any for 11 freshmen are just there. Even if they're terrible or amazing, they are still going to sound kind of rough because they're shy. They're nervous. So say that again, sorry. Sure. Absolutely. So if you pipe in the smart music track when they're playing, Oh my God, they have like all the confidence in the world. They feel like they're playing with the rest of the class. Easy peasy. No problem. Awesome. So I'll do like a little bit of a technique. Um, then I'll do some bits and pieces of an orchestra, um, piece. And then we'll do like, um, a fiddle tune or something to close class. And then the next day I'll do the scale and then I'll give them like a good chunk of time, like a half hour to focus on their solo literature. And for the solo literature, um, I'll do like a video ahead of time of what some of the solo literature is. And I'll post that on Google classroom so that just for that portion of the class they can watch. Cause if I have like 
this group working on a beret, but then this group working on a minuet in the same class. Like I can't, I don't want to just, you know, so they have to have something to watch while I'm talking to the other groups. So just for that portion, I'll make a video ahead of time so that they have, they know what they need to work on. And then I'll close that class with like a group listening and we'll do a discussion on, um, like, does this sound very South American? Like, how does this sound different from Mozart to you? Well, look at the time periods and whatever. And when was it written and the whatever. So I try and incorporate that all in my two 90 minute classes. That's a lot. It sounds like a lot, but 90 minutes is a long time. So (laughs) you say it's a lot, but sometimes I'm like, okay, well, we have 13 minutes left in class. Um, Let's go back to our whatever and let's look at this again. I mean, it's like I run out, you know, sometimes. So it takes time. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot to plan. And like you said, you know, not that we were, you know, especially uh, it's not like that we were winging it before, but you had a lot more flexibility in 100% run one class. So how do you deal with uh, the students who maybe aren't engaged? Because obviously I'm, I'm guessing that all of your students don't all have their cameras on. No, certainly not. Um, I will say they, um, well, I almost feel like they'll get away with what you let them get away with. Like I know that for some classes, I insist, like my first period chamber orchestra, it's seven in the morning and I've, I have all my energy between like six and nine in the morning. Like by the time it gets to noon, I'm ready for a nap. But unfortunately for these kids at 7 a.m., even though they just woke up, I'm like on it, like ready to go. I have all my ideas in my head. We're going to get this done. So in that class, all cameras, like they, they're pretty good about it because I've never let them get away with it. My seventh period class, which is at the end of the day, or sorry, my sixth period class, like barely an area camera in sight sometimes. And it's because I just don't have the, I just don't have the tenacity in me anymore to fight it, to fight the good fight. Like at this point I have, I'm waving the white flag. Like <laughs> it is what it is. And you just do what you can. And I just, I don't know. You have to give yourself a little grace the way I'm dealing with it though. It, to me, it's okay to have their camera on as long as I know that they're there. And so I didn't mention this, but I spend the first five or 10 minutes of class, every class um, asking like random, like, so, uh, Dr. Laux, uh, tell me what you did this weekend. And you're a virtual student and you have to unmute yourself and you have to tell us the class or tell the class what you did and whatever. And I check in with every kid this way, I'm in person and online. I go through whether I have 80 kids in a class or 20 kids in a class. It takes some time. Like the kids, like I don't actually have a class with 80 this year. My biggest class is uh, 58. So with 58 kids still though, one at a time, every single one of them, how's your day? How's your, but my, like my questions are much shorter. Not like, tell me what you did this weekend. It was like, did you have a good weekend? Yes. Awesome. Good to hear from you. Hey, blah, blah, blah. Hey, Ethan, you still have to come pick up a base because you just got quarantined out of here and you don't have a base at home. And I know you don't come pick up a base next. Like we move on, but at least I hear their voice. So if I hear their voice, they're there. And throughout class, I'll check in with them. Emily, did you get that? Can you, can you uh, maybe play your open day for me? Let me make sure you're still there or, or whatever. I mean, just little things like that. So they know to be like listening. Um, But yeah, I can't fight the camera fight for every day, every class always. I just can't. That's That's a big challenge. You just can't. And they're mad, like not to be whatever, but like their math and physics and social studies teachers don't have a relationship with them because they teach them from one year at a time. So they just got these kids. They've never actually met some of these kids in person. They don't care whether or not they have the camera on. So these kids are getting used to for five out of six classes. They don't care. The teacher doesn't care whether or not they have the camera on. They're not going to fight the good fight. I can't blame the teacher. So when they come to my class, they do recognize my face. They like it's I've tried to keep it as normal as I can um, compared to what we've done in the past. Like I don't want like I didn't want to do a whole new like different way to do orchestra like I, i'm trying to keep it as, as as familiar as i can so they're much more likely like if i ask them nicely i'm like you guys like like 
don't judge me. And I hope my ministers, no, my ministers can listen. It's fine. But like when my ministers are coming in, like if I know, like they're coming in, like they're like, oh, they're going to come observe. Like I'll ask the kids very nicely. I'm like, listen, you guys, can you please turn your cameras on today? Like just for me, like for these 20 minutes, turn this camera on. I've got some questions for you. We've got some stuff to do together. Like just turn the cameras on. I'm going to give you 10 minutes to go brush your hair, put on a hat and turn your cameras on. And you know what happens in 10 minutes? Every camera on. Because there's like we have a relationship with them. They get it. Like if you insist, they'll do it. And I tell them, I'm like, listen, like we want to make it like look good. Like I want to make you guys look good. I want you to like make make me look good. Like you're turning these cameras on. And they're fine. They get it. They totally get it. And it and it works out fine. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It, it's um, you know, the beginning of the year, you know, we spent the first week just building community and trying to yeah develop those relationships or, or foster those amongst kids and especially the new ones. And it's definitely challenging. Um, for sure. Uh, I, I hope that, I mean, I, I want all of my students to feel like they're at home in, in our program. And so uh, it's definitely challenging, but we just got to keep, keep working hard to, to develop those relationships and keep them going. Yeah. hundred percent. And there's like, I don't know, maybe the, the, there will be like a mob of orchestra teachers outside of my window after I say this, but like, let's be real. I don't, it, it, it's not just orchestra in any class. I don't know that there's anything that we have to cover content wise that is more important than the mental health and the well being of our students. Just, just, just not, there's no such thing as an orchestra emergency. I don't care what anybody says. Like, they've lived 16 years without knowing the two octave F major scale. They will live 16 years in a day. If I don't get to it today, it's going to be what it'll be. It's fine. It's going to be fine. So, taking the time to check in with them and say, hey, how was your weekend? Every class um matters and i know it matters because because of this activity i did this week that i'll tell you about <laughs> whenever we're ready for that yeah i can't wait um so yeah i guess i guess we can get into like kind of the nitty-gritty is as far as like you told us the different things you're doing but like okay so with the smart music are you having them on their own pull up the smart music and practice it or are you playing it for the class and you're playing through it together are you re- like rehearsing that way how are yes. you yes Yes. So for scales, what I have found is if you have any piano skills at all, piano has been such a crutch, such a great thing. Like my setup in my room, again, I'm on my own. So I've got my, I used to never teach from a piano. I always taught from a violin. I've changed that. I'm teaching from a piano and a violin now, but, but, um, but mostly piano, especially for things like scales and dexterities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got my piano, my laptop in front of me with my camera facing me so the kids can see my face at home. Behind that is the kids in person. I've got my mic on. It's like, I feel like I'm like an astronaut. I've got like my mic on, pipe through, I mean loud. Like people are telling me that they can hear me on the second floor. It's fine. I mean, this thing is just loud and it is what it is. I'm loud as it is, but I think, I don't know why I feel the need to just shout everything. Like I'm sure that the kids on Zoom would be able to hear me just fine. I'm sure that the mics are much more sophisticated than I give them credit for. And that, I mean, surely whoever designed the mic on Zoom is smarter than me, but in my brain, I just have to yell constantly. And so I've got this mic just loud and these kids are behind me and this is my setup and I play piano um, a lot. So for the scales, I'll do just like Alberti bass, chordal accompaniment for scales so that they know. And the kids on Zoom will will hear the piano and they'll play along with it. And I'm checking and I, to be honest, obviously we can't hear them because I've got them all muted, but I am like with just one, my left hand boom chuck on the scales and I'm clicking through with my right and saying, okay, Lamore bow or whatever, uh, do this, do that, the other. Um, to the kids in person, I'm, I'm yelling nice thing. Good job on your B flat. If we're doing F, F major, whatever. I mean, so the scales work this way. Same with dexterities. I'll go ready, set, go. And they play back to me and I play with them on the piano and they can hear it. So they have an example this way. Um, for solo literature, they are pretty much on their own for that portion of class. So they've got their videos on Google Classroom that I made ahead of time. 
that uh, that they're watching with tips like, hey, this goes into third position. This goes into whatever, but be careful you're in third position, but there's a G sharp. So reach your pinky for that, whatever. You know what I mean? Things like that. Um, and then I will focus on um, like maybe one section or one solo a day. The solos take a lot of planning. They're critical, I feel like, and they're really great and they've done a lot, but it takes a lot of planning because um, I'm planning a solo for violin, viola, cello, bass. Sometimes they're the same, sometimes they're not for four classes. So really I'm picking 16 solos at a time, yeah. um, which is a lot, but I have them work on them like, like two or three weeks, sometimes a month at a time. Yeah. And we'll just do like, if they're long, we'll do like 20 measures this week, 20 measures the next week, 20 measures, then, then one week to put the whole thing together. And then one week, like, um, like, let's say it's a 40 measure solo. Well, 20 measures one week, 20 measures the next. The third week, you're putting it all together and practicing playing it through with the smart music accompaniment. And then for the fourth week, your assignment is to submit to me a, a video of you playing this for your parents. And right. that's super special because the parents get to hear their kid play a little solo thing with a piano accompaniment. It's really nice. So that's gone really well. The parents love that. I get like nice emails every time. Like, oh my God, this is so nice. My kid sounds great. Whatever, you know. So you're providing them with the accompaniment file. Smart music is because the smart music has... All it. the piano accompaniment for Suzuki. That's right. Yes. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So that's super great. And then for for orchestra music, we're literally rehearsing like an orchestra. Like there's the good thing is I have enough kids in person to where even if it sounds a little rough, I have all the parts covered and I literally rehearse it. And when I say the kids know for these 20 minutes that we're about to rehearse this El Gaucho or whatever, um, when I say second violins, I mean like everybody at home. Actually, I say that, but I have everybody playing first violin, by the way. That's another thing. It's just simpler for my life. I've been doing that as well. So no second violin parts this year. It, it is what it is. Um, so if I say violins, it's every violin and you're expected to play. The key to that, though, is like you can probably get them to do that for about, well, me. Maybe somebody who's better at classroom management, hybrid, could do more. I can only do 15, 20 minutes of that before they're like, all right, I'm good. You know, before I start seeing the cameras turn off. <laughs> so I've only got 15, 20 minutes of like some good rehearsal time. Um And we, it's not even really too much rehearsal. Like we're just playing, like we're playing, like we're going to like, no, 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 fix that G sharp again. And I click start on the accompaniment and we're just playing with the accompaniment so that they feel like they're doing the thing, you know, you you can't, you can't start and stop as much. uh, You know, Mm -hmm. what I, what I had mentioned uh, to Scott is like, you know, we're, we're, we're taking, we're making assumptions on what they're probably not doing. Right. You know, um, just be, from experience that we know, like, okay, these measures are going to be challenging because of the bowing or the slurs or the fingering or whatever it might be. And so I'll go back. Um, I use my iPad a lot. And so I'm, and I'm mirroring that uh, for the students at home. So I'll take the score and we'll go back and I'll write in, you know, into the score, different things. And just so that they, you know, are getting some notes and, and I feel like I'm teaching that way not just, yeah. uh, not just a DJ running the, you know, running the mixer and running all the, the stuff. And your setup, you really got to feel like a DJ because I've seen pictures of your setup. You've got like 97,000. I mean, I feel like an astronaut. You've got to feel like an astronaut. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. I, yeah. I, I, I like my setup and it's, it's going pretty well, but you know, I'm continuing to make changes to it. And um, one of the things that I, I'm not sure if you can do this um, quickly in um, you're using, uh, are you using Google Meet or using Zoom? Zoom. Okay. I'm not sure if you can do it quickly. But um, in um, in Microsoft Teams, there's you can see your little self in the bottom and your 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 camera. But mm-hmm. I'm a second camera, a USB camera that I have facing out to the kids, and so I can easily I can hit the button and it'll switch between my camera and the class cam. Mm. Um, that's been a really nice thing because then I can get in and show fingerings real close and, and my my uh, laptop camera. But then I can hit the button and I can go out and stand next to the kids and play with the kids. 
out there and they can see all of us playing. So uh, it's it's built, it, you know, help helps that community feel again. Yeah, that's good. That's a good idea. My course teacher does that. She's got a camera pointed at the kids and then a camera pointed at her. And I haven't I haven't done that yet. My camera just points at my face pretty much the whole time. So I probably need to yeah. get more creative with my camera angles because because that's the other thing. I do feel trapped. Like I used to be able to walk around. But then again, like personal safety, again, we have to take care of ourselves. I'm not really looking to walk around too much in my room right now. Right. And you, so you have a lot of students too. So I do. And I hide behind my little corner. I've got like like a, I got a good spot marked off. Don't cross. Um, I'm not really tuning instruments. I like, I mean the high school, we have like, we have that privilege sometimes of just being able to be like, no, honey, you've got to figure this out. Like we, I've taught you, you're going to, you're going to be okay. And, um, I don't know. I feel like if you haven't started hybrid teaching yet, you should make a decision. Is it worth letting a kid play with an instrument? That's just a hair out of tune. Um, but you didn't have to touch it or expose yourself or get yourself in any kind of way, um, at My risk. Is, uh, hand sanitizer a lot of it before I touch and then I I'll help the kid tune. And then again, one more time, a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, I've kind of made the decision that I'd rather their instrument be just a hair out of tune than put myself at risk. Now if the strings are floppy and they literally can't play, I don't have a choice. Fine. But I avoid it. I mean, I'm telling you like I'm tuning less than five instruments a week. I'm just not, they, they figure it out. They'll be okay. Yeah. It's a, uh, it, it's a lot of personal choices and a lot of uh, different levels of comfort, you know, and, um, you know, you're, I, I'm very envious that you have so many students back, but I know that's probably more, it's a lot more work that way. And having, you know, my uh, five or max, I think my max class is going to be nine. Um, uh, but yeah, I, that, that, that's been my big challenge is, is I, it's hard to get that, that feel of this is orchestra with three kids. Yeah. Right. That definitely makes it tricky. And, you know, having that many kids back is great until somebody tests positive, which has happened already. Okay. And, and they come in, the administrators come in and they're like, well, you give me your seating charts and you hand the seating charts and you literally start, it's like a cattle call. You start pointing this kid sat around in the area, like, like, like two weeks ago I had from, because of one kid, like eight kids pulled out of my room and they're six feet apart. But when they test for sure positive, the County and maybe my school, I don't know, maybe I'm oversharing. I was just like, no, no I don't know. But like, like I, we don't have any guidelines like that. And we, we're, we are strongly encouraged to distance, but, it's not we they can't like enforce it or whatever so right because there's not the room in, in the gen ed classes but mine has the room so even with six feet apart like if a kid is suspected they treat it a little differently i feel like than than if a kid is confirmed like when they hear that a kid is confirmed positive they really even if the kid was more than six feet apart they're just going to take every kid that was around that kid and send them home for 14 days no questions asked. you just have to it's 14 days so every day is a different roster like every day you have a new kid and it if, even if they weren't contact traced out of my room, well, then they went to math class and then the kid that sat next to the math class got sick. So then they went that way. Like it fluctuates a lot. Wow. So there's only so much you can do, you know, like, like they will test, po like we are in a pandemic, like this is real. And so there are kids testing positive and you're going to have to deal with that. And it's, it's a smaller chance if you have less kids come back. Right. But nothing is more sobering than when they tell you like this kid you just taught for 90 minutes yesterday is COVID positive. And I'm like, awesome. Like I just taught them for 90 minutes, but I will say that kid sat, at least 30 feet away from me and I didn't move for my piano. Am I a bad teacher for not moving for my piano? No, I don't think so. Usually in any normal situation, I'd be walking around the whole room. I mean, I barely stand anywhere for more than five minutes. Yeah. But this is not a normal year. Like teacher safety, like you cannot teach if you are not alive. Like you have to, and I'm not saying that I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like I know I'm being a little bit dramatic, but like you have to take care of yourself. Like it's, it's yeah. very important. It's important for everybody to know that. I mean, uh, like, or, or realize that, or, 
uh, you know, I, I think we take so much of what we do personally, and we say this all the time, but, you know, um, you also have to take care of yourself. And uh, your students are really, really important to you, but nothing's more important than you, than you. You know, 100%. And teachers are all about being like, like teachers are, are martyrs. And like, there are teachers that will be like, oh, well, I know we're in a pandemic, but we still must have blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, do we must have, must we have that? Like, there are people doing like, I know theater teachers that are doing musicals still. And I'm like, you know, Broadway is not doing musicals. Do we really need a musical? I mean, seriously, or stuff like that. Just, I mean, but yes, her, if her answer is yes, we do. Okay, whatever. Like, that's the theater, you know, but that's just not, I don't agree. You know what I mean? She has their level of comfort, you know, um, um, and uh, I, I totally get that. And it, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, hard, but it's, 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 that's life. So we're going to have to go and get through it for sure. Um, so, okay. So then as far as all the, all the assignments, um, the trickiest part about this is grading because you have to figure out what you're going to assess and what you're not going to assess. So I've decided that I'm only assessing one thing a week. So even if we do a scale, like, let's say we were doing like with my freshman, I started simple and did like, uh, uh, one octave D major scale just to get their fingers, just to like review stuff. You know what I mean? They know it, they get it. Do I need to assess one octave D major scale? Probably not. But do I need to assess their first two dexterity patterns? Yes, because this is something we build on. So that week I would have them submit that. Like you have to pick. You can't have them turn in one scale, 17 measures from a orchestra piece, the first half of their solo, three dexterity. Like you cannot do this to yourself and you can't do that to them. Like you cannot be the selfish teacher that expects for these kids to spend hours and hours and hours a day on your class. It's just not realistic. So pick one thing to assess in my opinion. And so um, like before we left for fall break, my thing to assess was, um, like 16 measures of their orchestra piece. That's fine. We also did a new scale that week and we also started a new solo that week, but I'm not assessing all of it. You just have to kind of pick and choose what you're going to assess. And so, so yeah, that's another important thing for me. That has been, that has been the, the drawbacks is I have actually probably given too much and then I'm getting behind I'm getting overwhelmed. And so mm-hmm. um, I, I've realized, and we have a long weekend this week and we have Monday off and Tuesday teacher work day and we start our full time face to face quote, quote unquote, with everybody every day uh, on uh, Wednesday, but I, I just, I'm taking a different approach. I just need to do that for myself and 100%. Kids too. And just, just like you said, pick and choose what you're going to assess. Now in my County, um, the only thing that can count as a grade is a summative assessment. So if anything's formative and you try to assess it, you could assess it all you want, but it w- does not count against a grade. Wow. Okay. You have to have nine between nine and 12 summative assessments in the in the semester wow that's that's a lot see everybody has different stuff like 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 i said earlier they told us like no new content on friday if you can swing that like if you can swing having one day a week where the kids it's just a turning day both for you and for them like if you can swing that and you can make that happen and you won't get in trouble with your admin or it's okay or even if you can disguise it as not a free day but just disguise it as something that doesn't require active teaching so that you can have an office day 100 percent recommend it it's it's a lifesaver. It gives you like, I don't leave on Friday until my lessons for the next week are planned. I do that on Friday while the kids are working on other stuff. The digital kids don't even log in because it's a asynchronous day. They know what they have to do. I've given them the instructions. So I don't even have to worry about turning on zoom. Like it is a mental health day and you're still doing your job and you're still doing stuff. But if you can find a day to do this, that doesn't involve your own day, like a Saturday or a Sunday, which are precious, you should, I mean, I highly recommend to anybody listening that they should try and f- make this work somehow. I am doing that. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Seriously. Fridays are like a, call it fun Friday. I don't know. I mean, just something to, to give yourself a a small, tiny break. 
think that's amazing. Yeah, I love that. And um, the like we already said, you know, your physical health and your mental health should be number one priority, and then that of your students as well. Um, yeah. But uh, before before the F sharps and the you know B flats, you know, before we're worrying about all that. That we normally would be a uh, big, the big priority, and you know, concert, mm-hmm. and we're not doing that this year. I, you know, I just don't see us preparing mm-hmm. for even for um, you know, a festival LGPE that we call it here. I don't, I don't see that happening for us. Yeah, ours is already. We've already decided as a county that we're not, we're not doing it. Like ours is already canceled, so we're not even doing large group performance evaluation this year. So, so what is there to stress about? You know, I mean, not that, not that we're teaching just for LGPE or evaluations. But seriously, like there's kids, I have kids in my classroom, everybody does, who have lost family members, like recently. Parents have been unemployed since March. Kids don't have a dollar. Like what, Yeah. the the last thing we need to do is stress them out about whatever three octave scale. Like we can teach it to them and we need to be gentle though. Like if they turn it in, like don't give them a 74 or whatever, like whatever, like just be gentle. Like give them an 80 and tell them they need to work more. I mean, a B is so much better than a C. Like, I mean, and we're talking like if they sound rough, like just be gentle. At the end of the day, if they didn't learn the scale, maybe you didn't. Uh, the teacher just thoroughly as it needed to have been taught, you know, like we just have to be gentle. Like there's no reason to make kids feel bad right now. I, uh, I tell my students that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's our responsibility to, to, to teach you, but at the same time um, we, we do have to be empathetic and we have to be understanding. And, and so um, I know that there, you know, my students goal is to get a hundred in orchestra. Well, you know, you're putting in, if you're putting in genuine amount of work, I don't say that there's, you know, a reason that that shouldn't happen, you know, Especially, especially totally agree. Especially now, so totally agree. And we want our students to want to come back to our class. You know, uh, when when it's right. like a normal one, not have a negative, negative vibes, negative feelings about what we're doing. So, so that's a great segue into my last little um, thing that I've been so excited to tell everybody about. So I'm glad that we met today because I'm very positive right now, and I have like a great vibe going as far as digital teaching. I have a good attitude towards it and hybrid, and this is like we're going to be okay. Because up until this point, I have had no idea. Like, I don't know if what I'm doing is good or not. Like, in my head, this is so different than what we're used to. I'm like, these kids are ready to quit. These kids hate this class. These kids hate this. Like, the online kids are not getting anything out of this. The digital kids are mad because they just, I'm spending so much time with the online kids. They don't want to hear, like, all these things. So, I was like, oh, my God, I have to, like, like, I'm, like, losing sleep at night because I'm like, I'm going to have seven kids left in my program next year. And I'm going to be, like, this is horrible, you know? Like, I'm stressed out. Um, Well, Sean, actually, who you've had on the podcast was like, you know what? I'm going to do a survey. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do a survey too. Like, let me do this survey. Usually I'm a little like nervous about asking a 14 year old what they think about my class, you know, like, cause kids are like, this is what, you know, like they'll say whatever, but I'm like, no, I need to do a survey. So I did just that. I created this Google form and it was very simple and, and, and I was very genuine and, and I called it the midterm check-in and, you know, I was, I was, when I was explaining it to the kids, I was very genuine with them. And I said, you know, you guys, like, sometimes I feel like I'm perpetually mediocre. Even on my best day, I feel like all I can give you is 50% of what I've, I'm used to being able to give you. Um, and so, you know, I, I wrote this little, like, two, three paragraph intro to this survey that I sent the kids. And I explained to them in class and whatever. And, like, you know, my closing statement, by the way, which you feel free to put this in. Like, I, I put in, like, you know, please remember that I am a human being with feelings. And I care deeply about doing the best that I can. So be gentle and constructive in your approach. Because you don't want to read a whole bunch of kids being like, well, you need to do this. Well, this needs to be better. You know, whatever. Can I tell you that when I read these surveys, I have, it was the best day I've had all since March. Like since the day that this coronavirus even reared its head, it's been the best, most amazing day. Like I feel like my life is a little more normal now, seriously. And so I simply asked them, are you in person or online? 
which orchestra are you in? What activities do we do in class that you do enjoy? And I listed what we do. Which ones do you not enjoy? What do you wish we could do more of? How do you feel about the workload so far? Do you feel like you have improved in your individual technique or rep since the beginning of the school year? And then I left a little comment, a little area where it said, this is the place for you to make general comments about things that you think are going well or poorly or just general comments about how I can better serve you as your orchestra teacher this year. Well, let me tell you what. These kids were like, they were so nice. Like they were so nice. And it was much worse in my head than I think it is. Like in my brain, I thought that this was the worst thing that it, like these kids are fine. Like major trends that I saw, this is super important to talk about is that the kids, I cannot tell you how many kids, most of the kids said that they love that I made them check in with me every day and that I wanted to hear their voices every day. And that I was actively making them sit through class because this is like, I've, I've met some people, orchestra teachers, they're like, oh, this is a perfect time for the flipped classroom or whatever. And they call it the flipped classroom. But what the flipped classroom is, is they just don't want to sit on their kids with Zoom, uh, sit on Zoom with their kids. So they upload these videos and then they just have kids turn them in, turn stuff into them by the end of the week. And they like never like this is not that that's they call it flipped classroom. I call it lazy, to be honest. I mean, you have to like it's just it. That, that's not flipped classroom. You know what I mean? And so some people think that the solution to this is just to make things all virtual and all digital. And these kids are craving like craving our attention and our normalcy, like our level of normalcy. So I'll read you a couple of quotes. There's just two or three of them that I thought were like brilliant and like a great inspiration to people who are about to start hybrid teaching. Um, so one of the kids said, you were doing the best you can in this hard situation. There's nothing that you need to do. It's just very hard for everyone. I'm doing well in school, especially in your class, because it's a little sense of normal, which I need at this time. So that was super special. Um, The second kid said, I really appreciate how you always check on the digital students and ask us how we are doing. You always make sure that we are cut up and that we are not confused. We all miss being an orchestra and you put so much effort into making sure we still feel included. Um, I'm really thinking, anyway, thank you for being my orchestra teacher. But yes, what is important about that is that they appreciate how I always check in on the digital students. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this is my favorite quote of the whole thing. Simple, short, sweet to the point. You're doing better than you think. I still love orchestra as much as I did before all of this. Like, what more can you do you need to hear? Like, this is all you need to hear to make you feel like this. I'm fine. Like, life is good, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, that's that's wonderful. Um, I I told my students to look for a a survey this weekend. I I want to do the same thing and I want to simplify it. Um, I want to make it personal. I want to make it um, I want to give them some choice. Yeah. And um, and so I I think that that's the approach that. Uh, we need to kind of think about and keep in the back of our mind is that the the kids do want some, some level of normalcy and they want to be, they want to be cared for, you know, and, um, hundred uh, percent. And, and not all their teachers, I think can do that because they just don't have that relationship with them. And, you know, I mean, teaching math is different than teaching orchestra and, and there's, there's, we have a lot of feelings that go into what we do. Um, right. For sure. Uh, the kids, you build a teaching a kid for four years is a privilege like this is amazing that we've taught like these kids through four of their most formative years like when they're 14 to when they're 18 it's like night and day like they come in as children and they're adults like i kids graduate and then like a year or two in they're like hey you want to meet for coffee and i'm having conversations with them that like blow my mind like they're adults you know it's great it's great it's amazing so they need they need to see us you know and they like it's not all roses like in the in the survey like they definitely were like when you do group listenings, um, you share your screen, but we, the audio lags, the video lags, the audio cuts in and out. Like we do group, like almost every kid I had no idea was like group listenings do not work for the zoom kids. So now what I'm doing is like, 
sharing the YouTube link and having them mute themselves and just watch it on their own. And then we discuss as a class. Say, right. Yeah. That, that's uh, making it more asynchronous, synchronous, but asynchronous synchronous video watching, because yeah, they're going to, they're, it will not go well um, that way. You know, it's, it's definitely challenging. Uh, so, the- you know, they'll give you criticism, but just to hear like, no, I still love orchestra. It's like really nice. So, so everybody who's listening needs to needs like a couple of weeks in, like give a survey and be very and like tell the kids I have feelings. So please be gentle, but they'll let you know what's going well, what's not going well. But but it's probably going worse in your head than you think it is. And a week ago, like people wouldn't have been able to convince me of that. I'm like, no, 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 it's terrible. Like you don't understand. It's terrible. But but no, I guess it's not so terrible. So that was really great. Like that. Like I'm in a great mood. Yeah, we're we're, you know. We're, we take what we do personally and we're very uh, self uh, you know conscious of you know how we are and we I think it's very easy to be our, our own worst critic you know and, and sure so uh, whether it's um, someone who comes in to watch your classroom or just your students telling you you're doing this okay you're, you're doing you're doing well that's that's always really nice so. right for sure yeah man um, well uh, it, that, this has been awesome. Um, you know, with you're, you're our, my third guest today. I've, I've recorded Sean and um, uh, Scott this morning, and uh, three completely different uh, like conversations. And uh, I think it's I think it's great for our listeners um, that we're able to to uh, to have your experiences. And we I appreciate you coming on to share those. So many great ideas and so many inspirational things uh, for everybody to uh, to latch onto and and to use hopefully and get some ideas but everybody out there it's going to be okay we're going to get through this we're going to keep plugging away um be creative um you know and um it's it's not uh because your students can't play a high third finger in tune it's not the end of the world <laughs> and, right for sure you no know, um like i said there are bigger bigger more important things to worry about and to to uh, focus on so keep going and um hopefully uh we will have some um, more guests on. I do want to to bring on some people that will talk more about that beginning orchestra. Uh, definitely uh, one of the probably the biggest challenges is teaching someone who's never played how to play uh, over over the airways here and over the internet. Uh, I don't know, um, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about that uh, very soon. But thank you guys for listening and um, signing off for the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. This is Charles Lauks. See you next time. Bye.